can't believe it's their last day, so uh, I'll get out of the way. We'll have a fast review. So glad you're here. I get to be uh, your camp speaker for the eighth and final chapel. I brought a little uh, Jesus CD. Have anybody ever seen the Jesus movie? Remember that movie? It's like uh, I've got those on DVD if you'd like one to take it home. I tried to bring enough for anybody that wants one, so I've probably got a hundred or so of them. If you want one, maybe I can give you that at lunchtime. I'll just bring the box over and sit it down. Don't take it if you don't need it or don't take it if it's going to sit on the shelf, but take it if you can uh, share it with your family. And Who knows? Uh, it's just a good reminder of who and what Jesus has done for us. But uh, our theme this week was mystery, and we talked about sheep and coins and sun, the lost, all those guys that uh, we went after the sheep, and we found a coin and lost son. Commander of God's army, I believe that was Jesus, a mysterious Melchizedek, a bleeding woman, a dying daughter, a touch from Jesus, helped both of them. Lot and King Solomon who began to roll a lesson from Proverbs, the four groups. Y'all remember what the four groups were? Wise, simple, fool, and yeah, that mocker's dangerous right there. Temple curtain was torn. It allows us free access to... Jesus. So our mystery theme. I thought I'd give you a couple pictures too as a quick review. Um, put this guy up. I just don't want to find myself in that precarious spot and ask the question, how in the world did I get here? What happened to put me in this place? And it's like a surprise and the people that ask sometimes to say, how did I get here? And it seems like it's obvious. The answer is obvious to everybody but them because it's like, surely you know how you got here. Uh, if I'd go to visit someone in the hospital and they were dying of lung cancer and they've smoked all their life and they would ask me, how, how in the world did I get this? And I just feel like, wow, you smoked for 75 years. Is it a surprise that you got lung cancer? And to them it is. And for some reason to everybody else it's not. Remember to not roll away from God. I reminded you of that. If a car is not in park, it'll roll. Or if you don't stay close to God, you'll roll. Lot rolled right into Sodom and Gomorrah. The prodigal son rolled away. Even the wise king Solomon rolled. Had it made. Praising God at the altar. Eight chapters later, he causes the nation of Israel to split. Remember that your direction determines your destination. If I'm heading this way, it's going to be hard to go there. Your destination. If I'm aiming toward a place, my direction determines my destination. Who's the prophet right here? This map reminds you of Jonah. Exactly. He was told to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to go because Nineveh was the capital of Assyria and that was the enemy's. God said go, and Jonah said no. It's like I'm not going over there. I don't like these people. They're dangerous. So I said I just don't like them. So if God tugs my heart to go witness to someone, and I'm thinking, yeah, but I don't like them. They're not really like me. Oh. Jonah was going to go to Tarshish, opposite direction. I told you about my friend and I that we ended up almost in D.C. looking for a place that was 12 miles from the very place that we left from. There's our four groups, and you got them all. There's still mysteries that I haven't covered this week. I don't know where Stonehenge, uh, how it became into being. I don't understand how the old Roy Morales or the Northern Lights I don't understand how God counts us more valuable than an inverted Jenny. We're precious to him. He's going to come after us. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he loves us. Hmm. 
Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for one final chapel that we're going to look at some things today that might change someone's life, might change the course of where we're headed for eternity because our direction determines our destination. If we're headed toward heaven, we're going to make it there one day. If we're earthly, though, the Bible tells us if we have an earthly desire, fleshly desires, if we just want to please ourselves, then we're not walking with the Spirit. I pray that you'd challenge us today as we look into the book of Daniel. In Jesus' name, amen. Daniel, being strong in the face of danger is my final challenge for you. A lion's den in a fiery furnace. Let's take a look at the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel has some stars in it that I would count. What do you mean stars? Well, stars of the show, they're sort of famous. They are now. They weren't then. But here's the story of Daniel. And I won't read it all, but if you've got a Bible, this is chapter 1 of Daniel. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles of the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasury house of God. Then the king ordered Aspenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites, these are the young guys there, from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned to them a daily amount of food, wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. And among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself from the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission to, uh, not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who assigns your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young man your age? The king would then have my head because you, Daniel said to the guard uh, that was appointed over him. Just, you know, give us a chance. Please test your servant for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare us with the other young men, and we'll see how that goes. And at the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. And to these four young men, God gave knowledge, understanding all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. You're going to go back home today, uh, and you're going to live in a place, and hopefully you call it home. But I've had in my years of camp here, I had a young man tell me, he said, I'm going back home, and my mom has got her live-in boyfriend, and he didn't really like me. And uh, so in other words, some people weren't looking forward to going back home. It was a tough situation. It's like, well, mom caters to him more than she does me, so I sort of feel left out. I don't know if Uncle Paul would remember, but I can recall one time we were down at campfire, and a guy stood up and he said to this little boy, we were under the picnic shelter. He says, I didn't know what I was going to do this week, but I decided to come to camp. And, 
And he said, I was thinking of something before I came to camp, and I'm glad I came, and Jesus has saved me, and I was thankful for that. But then he said, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I came to camp because if I would have stayed at home, I was thinking of doing something. Worst, worst thing he could have possibly done. Yeah, he was thinking of killing himself. And I'm thinking, wow, 12 years old and thinking of ending your life. Suicide's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Whatever was bothering him wasn't worth his life, and I'm glad he came to camp. But wow, that just tells me how serious people are when they come to camp and how bad sometimes the situation is when they go back home. And it's like I'm not looking for, but I know I've got, you know, he had Jesus. He said, I'm going to make it. And sometimes we go into situations, school, I don't know if it's always the best place. It's tough sometimes. Uh, if you just feel like you're left out or you're the last one to do this or that, compare yourself to Daniel and them. I want to give you a challenge and some hope. Daniel was a top-notch guy in Judah. So was his friends. And basically this... King Nebuchadnezzar ransacked the place. He came in and stole all the things that they would use for communion. He took them out, stole the things out of there, and he kidnapped these men. Now, I know if I was in his place, if these would be tests, I got to pick a hill to stand on or a line not to cross. I've got to have a certain place because otherwise, and I tell my son Andy this in the Air Force all the time, pick a place to really... Uh, Hang on. Otherwise, try to get along with people. I know we all have people like teachers or who knows, maybe even family that it's not always easy to get along. Well, Daniel, he was kidnapped. The first thing he could have done to fight back, let's say they back up a truck. I know they don't have trucks. Pretend with me. They pull in a truck. They ransack the place, and they grab Daniel and him and throw him in the back of the truck. Some people would have said, nope, I'm not going with you. They would have died right there on the spot. We're going to shoot you if you don't get in the truck. We'll shoot. Well, that would accomplish nothing. So Daniel said, no, I'm going to hold my, keep control, trust in God. He was kidnapped. They put him in a truck and they take him back. Here's what his goal is. He's supposed to go three years. This is sort of like an accelerated college program. Three years, you're going to learn the language of the Babylonians. By the way, Babylonians are the enemy. Take a Jew in World War II and say, we want you to learn to speak German. I hate Germans. You're going to learn to speak their language eat their foods, wear their clothes, and be one of them. <clears throat> that would have lost it. So if you hadn't got shot getting in a truck, then maybe you'd have said, no, I'm not going to. You've got to learn about the Babylonians for three years, train with them, read their literature, know everything about them. Daniel's like, okay. Next thing, we're going to change your name. We don't really like Daniel. We're going to change it to Belteshazzar. And Belteshazzar is not too much of a derivative from Belshazzar or who's Beelzebub? That's Satan. So we're getting in the same line of, so Belteshazzar is not too far from the name of devil. Can you imagine something saying, so Edgar, we're going to kidnap you. Second, we're going to toss you in a truck. Third, we're going to put you in a land of, that you're not too fond of. We're going to make you learn their language. And by the way, we don't like Edgar Moser. We're going to change it to, how about Satan? Yeah, that's going to, no, no. All right, Lucifer. No, I hate that one too. We're going to change your name to mean devil. No. But Daniel put up with that, so he had a name change. So Daniel is patiently waiting his time. I'm asking you and challenging you when you go back home, and if somebody says things or if you get aggravated at stuff, patiently wait your time. Now, Daniel did have a time that, or a line that he wouldn't cross, so. 
we all need lines that we won't cross. We'll say, some people, for example, if I have friends in school and I'm talking to them and they tell me stuff and while we all laugh, and then they say, well, let me tell you this joke. I was sitting at the lunch table at uh, Salem High School where I used to teach driver's ed, and a guy there said, let me tell you a joke. And he actually looked at me before he told a joke. He said, can you leave, Edgar, because this joke's probably nasty or dirty. And I said, no, I'm not going anywhere. And he said, well, I can't tell it if you're here. Good. So I stayed there, and he was sort of disappointed. At least he respected me. But what if I said, no, go ahead and tell it. No, that's a line I won't cross. So we've got to say, I'm going to put up with a name change. I'm going to put up with living in a different place. Daniel put up with a lot, but then here's the line he wouldn't cross. We want you to eat this food of probably ham, wine. And Daniel says, nope, I can't do it. And the guard's like, you've got to do it. It can mean my head. And he says, well, I'll tell you what, give us a test. Give me vegetables and water for 10 days. But you see, Daniel finally had a line that he wouldn't cross. So if someone says, let me tell you this, or let me do, nope, uh, I've reached, nah, can't do that. I think a lot of people have a line they won't cross. You even have the worst kind of people that say, no, I wouldn't do that. Somebody that would cuss a blue streak and be cruel and be ugly, and here comes, oh, y'all watch your language, here comes the lady present. They won't cuss in front of a lady. That's a line they won't cross. They won't cuss in front of a preacher. Now, they will everybody else, but they won't do that. Isn't that odd? How about Jonah? Let me see how good your memory is. Jonah had a line he wouldn't cross. Would he run from God? Yeah. He took off and ran. He went down to the ship, though. What did he do before he got on the ship? He paid the fare. That's a line he won't. I won't I'm not dishonest. So you'll run from God, but you, <laughs> so that just shows you certain people. I've trained with the Marines for a short while. Some of them got pretty nasty language. Some of them are pretty rough, and yes, and I try to be a witness, and I believe I was to lots of people, but still, there's some. But those Marines are known for something that they do every Christmas. You know the program they designed a few years ago, and it was a success, and they keep doing it? Toys for tots. So we got these rough, tough Marines, but they'll still take up for kids. They'll cuss me out, but they hey, we got to get a bicycle for Johnny over here, because he, it's like, why don't y'all just have the same attitude towards the world that you do. I can't do that. But they've got a certain line that they won't cross. So Daniel says, nope, can't change my diet. Take a look at Daniel and see how Daniel and his three friends stayed close. It was a mystery of how God rescued them. Daniel ended up being in a lion's den because he was faithful to God, and these guys ended up being in a fiery furnace. If you might remember the stories, if you don't, here they are. Daniel started off in chapter 1, and he said to the guard, please let us eat the food that, uh, that we pick bread. You know, it's really basic diet of vegetables and water. They did that. Chapter 2 rolls around. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Nobody can interpret it. And Daniel says, he's sitting around the house, I'm sure, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his roommates. Door gets knocked on, opens it up. Let me see who it is. Guy says, we're here to kill you. Can I get right back to you about that? Okay, uh, well, 2 o'clock this afternoon, we're going to come kill you. Okay, see, <laughs> close the door. Shadrach probably says, hey, Daniel, who was it? Nah, it's just a guy to kill us. Did you ask him why? Something about a dream. I'll tell you what, uh, we need to pray some. I'm going to go tell him I can interpret the dream. And Shadrach probably says, Daniel, do you know the dream? Not yet. Why are you going to tell him? I believe God will deliver us. 
he'll give me the, the dream. He'll give me the revelation of the dream. Are you sure? Sure. Um, Daniel says to the guard the next time, opens up a door, before you kill us, uh, tell the king I can interpret the dream. Okay. Close the door back, tells his friends. I'm going to tell him I can interpret the dream. Boy, they act relieved. I'm glad you know the dream. Daniel says, I don't. Say what? I don't yet. So I need you guys to do something with me. Daniel chapter 2, verse 17. Daniel returned to his house, explained the matter to his friends. What kind of friends do you have? Do you have friends that will pray for you? Daniel gathers up his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. It was a mystery as to what the dream was. So that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, that means they've been praying about all night long. And during the night, the mystery is revealed. So can you imagine this? This is like the lady that's hunting out of her ten coins. She's lost one. She finds a coin. What does she do when she finds a coin? She rejoices. The, good, the shepherd that finds the lost lamb, he rejoices. The son that's come back home, they rejoice. Exactly right. Well, I guarantee you, Daniel, maybe Michelle, I, I, all of them go to their rooms and they're just praying. Sweat's coming down. they got to... Put a pot of coffee on the night. We're going to be up all night. They're going to pray until they get an answer. Finally, one of them, whichever one it was, Daniel says, yes, he's rejoicing. Why? Whew. He goes in and guess what? I know the answer. Praise God. <laughs> it keeps us alive. What's the answer? Uh, I'm going to go tell him tomorrow. Okay. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings, disposes of them. He gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells in Him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You've given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. So Daniel goes the next day and he says, guess what? I'm here. Daniel, do you, can you tell me the dream? I cannot. What? My God can, though. He gives credit to God and God tells him the dream and he reveals it to the king. Meanwhile, they are growing. They're strong. You're going to go back home and you feel like I've got a... Some of you have said, I want to pray to be closer to Jesus. I want to try to read and pray. I want to do some different things. Daniel and them are going along good. The devil doesn't like that. He knows we're going to grow. So along comes chapter 3, and here's the trial. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high, 9 feet wide, set it up on the plain of Dura, and told everybody to bow down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we will not. And he said, all right, go get these guys. And he brought them before it. Somebody tattled on them. And they said, okay, here's the three guys. And the king says, I'm going to play the lyre and the zither and the flute and I'm harp. And I'm going to play some things. We're going to play the music. You get to bow down. I'm going to give you one last chance. And they said something. That I just love their answer. They said, we believe our king. They said, oh, king, we believe that our God will save us. But even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. Wow, 
What kind of faith is that? It'd be like me praying now. I'm going to make it practical. God, I'm praying that this would happen. And if it does, I'll praise you. If it don't, I'll praise you anyway. Because you must, obviously, you know a lot more than I do. So if God doesn't answer my prayer, how are you at that? If you don't get what you want, do we complain? So I've got to say, God, I don't understand why so-and-so is going through things. I got news one day when a phone rang that uh, my son Andy and my daughter Lindsay were living in Auckland, New Zealand at the time. He's the only uh, child we've got. It's hard to let him go, but they take off and go to Auckland, New Zealand. He's actually he was serving in Seoul, Korea at an Air Force base there, uh, Osan Air Base. But they live in Auckland, New Zealand. And I got a phone call, and they said, uh, we just wanted to let you know that Lindsay's dad passed away. He had a heart attack. Uh, my first thought was like, God, why'd you do that? Michael was a great guy, solid Christian, strong in the faith. And I'm thinking, I got to call Andy and tell him this. So I somehow got a hold of Andy, and I call him, and I'm talking to him. I said, Andy, is Lindsay anywhere around? And he says, no, she's in another room. I said, that's good. I'm going to tell you something that you've got to tell her. Her dad passed away, and we somehow got to let her know that. And Andy said, okay. And is that a time that you say, God, what are you doing? Sure. Why would you do that, God? That doesn't make sense to me. And then i got to remember Proverbs 3 where it says, Lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge him. He'll direct my paths. These guys right here can very well die in the next little bit. And yet they say, If God will deliver us, we praise him. If not, see here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, O king, we'll never serve your gods or worship the image of God you've set up. Nebuchadnezzar was furious with him. He called in his men and said, heat up the furnace. How many times hotter? Seven times hotter. The men that went up to heat it up, they've got it just a royal blaze. Here comes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Bound, they're just going to toss them in the fire. The guards that open it up get killed by the fire that comes out. You ever opened up a preheated oven before? You know, mom says, preheat the oven, 500 degrees, whatever, we're going to put a pizza in. You say, she'll say, see if it's hot enough. Oh, my, my eyebrows, you know, they're gone. It's like it's so hot. I lit a furnace one time, and I didn't do it very well. I've learned how to light them since then. But you're supposed to push down this little basso valve and you light the match and then you hold it down and it goes and there it goes and you turn the gas on. Well, I held that down and it went and the match went out. I let this up, let it air get away, wait a few minutes, try it again. It did that two or three times. I got tired of letting the air get rid of the gas. That's not a smart move. So I push down this and match goes out. Match goes out. And I thought, wow. I saw these little black balls dancing in front of me. And I went upstairs and I thought, got the furnace lit. And my wife Jenny looks, she said, you singed your eyelashes. Those little black balls are the eyelashes on your own face that you've burned the end of them. That's how close the flame come to me. So I'm thinking, 
Okay, look like little black balls going there. That's the end of my eyelashes that have actually burned and charred where a little ball is hanging on the end of them. That's how close fire came. That's about all the close. These guys, they didn't get singed eyelashes. They got singed bodies. They're gone. And they toss these guys into the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar probably just thinks, it's over. And yet, it wasn't over. The king sits back in his lawn chair, looks up to say, let's just see these guys who wouldn't bow down to me. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, wasn't it three men that we tied up and threw in the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Who was the commander of the army in Joshua's story? I think it's Jesus. Who's Melchizedek? Here's Jesus again showing up. He's in the fire. You remember that song that you may have sung? There is a what? There is a... Yeah, there's another in the fire. Hmm. There's a fourth one in the fire. He says he looks like the Son of God. It is the Son of God. Jesus is sitting there. Standing there with him. Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening of the blazing furnace. He can't believe it. He stood up in amazement. I see four walking around. Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. They're probably in there singing, There is another in the fire. Hmm. Servants of the Most High God. Come out, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, royal advisors crowded around them. Hey, they were amazed at a couple things. First of all, they weren't burned up. That's the obvious thing. But if you keep reading this story, they saw that fire had not harmed their bodies. That's obvious. Not, nor was a hair on their head singed. Remember I told you my eyelashes got, yeah, their hair is not even singed. Keep going. Their robes were not scorched, and there was not even a smell of what? Smoke on them. I can't even get by that. My wife has long hair. She's went into a store before, then people in there were smoking. She comes back out, and they go, ah, <coughs> uh, and that smoke will just attract, and she says, yeah, my hair smells like smoke now. You know, she was in there so long. You've done that around a campfire. You're sitting there singing, and you get back, and it's like, whoo. You smell like smoke, your clothes will smell like smoke. These guys never even smelt like smoke. We had a campfire at uh, Camp Eagle back in Roanoke one year, and I, it was so cool. I felt sorry for, they started making s'mores, and somebody's marshmallow caught on fire. What do you do when a marshmallow catches on fire? Go ahead and tell. You take it out and go like this, right? They went like this, and whoosh, marshmallow was gone. Yeah, it was in somebody's hair across from about 20 feet from you know, and their hair about started smoldering. I'm thinking, you lit somebody's hair on fire 30 yards from you trying to get that marshmallow put out. These guys are great. No smell of smoke. No smell on their clothes. No singed hair. Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. Now let's go back and check them so far. They kidnapped top-notch young people. They give them a challenge. Change their diet. They said, nope, cannot change the diet. That's crossing the line that I will not cross. So everything's going great. And then they learn the next chapter they're going to die if they can't 
They don't know a dream. He, and Nebuchadnezzar is pretty ugly. He says, tell me to interpret the dream. And his wise men said, tell us the dream we'll interpret. He said, no, you're just trying to buy time. You tell me the dream and the interpretation. Daniel did it. Here's a chapter or so later, his friends get called on the carpet for not bowing down because they'll serve one and only one God. <clears throat> chapter 5, King Belshazzar, he has replaced Nebuchadnezzar. And King Belshazzar gave a banquet. And at that banquet, they got pretty rowdy. I think they were drunk. I think they were wild. They were having a wild party. And he said, hey, go get the vessels that my father took out of the temple in Jerusalem. So they bring out godly vessels that were used in the temple. And he takes those vessels and they make toasts to people. That alone would have been sort of dangerous. That's taking a special vessel that come out of God's holy temple. Then he gets really rowdy and he toasts false gods with that vessel. And God says, I have had enough. Hand comes out and starts writing on the wall. They don't know what it means. The king, who's all big drunk, just laughing and everything, suddenly it says his knees get weak and he's about to faint. Go get Daniel again. Daniel comes in and starts scream. He says it's something like meaning, meaning, tikalaparjan, which really means you have been weighed and found wanting. You're not who you should be. Tonight your life is going to end. Not exactly the news that king wanted to hear. Well, his, that very night Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Do you realize that these boys who were kidnapped, whose lives could have very well been in danger, have now outlived? They went through Nebuchadnezzar. They went through Belshazzar. They're on their third king. They're outlasting the kings. Still found faithful. Now, none of them have tried to escape. Say, okay, can you make that some things to remember from Daniel that you can do? Be in a position for God to use you. Daniel was ready. He knew his scriptures. He had a great time back home in Jerusalem. He was a top-notch young person. So if someone came into Roanoke, Virginia and said, we are going to capture all the people that are strong Christians, I would hope I'd make that list. I would hope they wouldn't say, ah, we don't have to bother with that. He never reads, he never prays, hardly ever goes to church. Leave him be. We're only going to kidnap what if they came to Tennessee then and they said, just pretend. I hope it would never come to that. What if big old brute armed guards come into a school and said, we've got to get rid of the Christians in here. We're not going to kill you. We're going to kidnap you. Oh, don't kidnap me. I don't really talk about God very much. Is that what you would say? I would hope they'd say, hey, praise God. You better kidnap me because I'm not going to quit talking about him. I'm going to keep reading my Bible. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to tell people about him. I'm going to go to my church. I'm a witness to my friends. Yeah, we better get that guy. I would hope that they, they went back and they kidnapped the top-notch young people of Daniel's day. And I know they say that they were quick to aptitude and learning and all that. I take that and I, I want to make a practical application. I've heard a saying before. They said, if you were ready for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you were ready for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? 
or would they say, we're going to have to let this guy go for lack of evidence? We can't even, there's not enough proof there to think he's a Christian. Or would they say, no, he is guilty. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were guilty. They kidnapped those guys and said they are top-notch. They brought them in and they think, we better not talk about God. We might die. No, they didn't. They're in the enemy camp. They're in Babylonia, and yet they still keep right on talking. Daniel, and Daniel was very wise. He drew a line in the sand, but he didn't complain. He didn't gripe about a name change. He didn't gripe about a new culture. He didn't gripe about, here's some books you need to be reading. Okay, I'll read them. So he's studying the Babylonian nation. And, uh, we call that the culture. He's probably wearing different clothes. And for lack of a better example, this would be like somebody joining the military. We're going to change your name. We're going to put you in a set of clothes. You learn our way. We're going to put you where we want you. And can you still stay and be a strong Christian at that? Some people would. Well, Daniel, and not necessarily the military, he's going to college in Babylonian University. You've got to learn about the Babylonians. You know the people that ransacked and probably beat up and killed some of your friends last year when they took over the place. You get to go live with them, stay in a room, learn their language, wear their clothes, and eat their food. And he says, you know, I, I can cover all that stuff, but I can't eat their food. Why on earth would you draw that? That would be the easy one. He said, yeah, pork's unclean. I can't do that. I'm not going to eat that food. Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, even came over and says, Daniel, let's just go ahead and eat the food. Of all things, why did you draw a line in the sand at this? It's where God put me. Okay. So what I mean by drawing a line in the sand, what is something that you would not do? Like, uh, let's make it real simple. Someone says, let me tell you a joke. Is it clean? Yep. Okay, hey, I'm count me in. Yeah, it's nasty. Line in the sand. Nope, I don't want to hear it then. It's nasty. It's dirty. Here's a TV show. Hey, great. Yeah, here's a movie that's got it. Well, a couple of scenes in it, then I don't want to watch it. So you just now drew a line in the sand. I watch movies, great. I just don't want to watch ones that, that I'd have to turn away from if somebody come in the room. See the line in the sand? See what I mean? You got to draw a line in the sand. We can't do that. Let me show you this. Nope, can't do it. So I'm going to be friends with everybody. There's a musical group called Corn. They put the K backwards. And Brian Head Welsh was a lead guitarist. And he got saved and he said, draw a line in the sand. I can't really do music with you guys anymore. So he left the group for about six or seven years. He said, God convicted me. He said, I don't want to lose my friends. I want to win them to Jesus too. So he said, I'll try to be a part of the group, but we're just going to change some of the music. So see, he drew saying I don't want to do exactly I don't want to go back and be the way I used to be that's the life that I hated but I will try to get along with it so see the difference Matthew the first thing he did saved was to throw a party for all his tax collector friends and then he followed Jesus party uh, like to introduce my guest speaker Jesus and Jesus steps up and says thank you Matthew I've called Matthew and he said I told him follow me and he says I will And so you're not going to see Matthew around people out of taxes anymore, but he just wants you to know that he cares about you guys. So draw a line in the sand. Rely on God's help to stay strong in your faith. That first time that they had to interpret that dream, you bet they prayed all night long. God, I can't do this. Every time I go to school, some of the people are really trying to aggravate me. 
God will be with you in the fire when you're tested. So we're going down through the list. These guys, they were in a position to be kidnapped. I always like this. When I played football in high school, when I played any kind of sport, but especially football, if the coach was standing right here, you know where I wanted to stand? Right here. Why? I hope you put me in a game. So I'm standing right here, position. Uh, let's see if we get in there. Let's go. Now, if you're down on the other end of the bench, it doesn't look like you even want in the game. So Daniel and them, they're, they're right here. They're waiting. They come in kidnapping. Daniel's in a position. They throw him on the truck. He's one of the top-notch young people, loves God. They didn't really know that. But if I kidnapped the people that were strong, powerful Christians, I want to be that one of those. I want them to kidnap me. I want them to know, hey, he's got a reputation. He's a Christian. So I'm in a position for God to use me. Draw a line in the sand, but don't complain. I might have to put up with some things sometimes, but sooner or later I'm like, nah, I can't do that. Now, what if I do that right off? Then I'm, I'm viewed as a complainer. You know, so if an English teacher says, we're going to have a test, I'm oh, great. Wait a minute now. Why are you griping? We've got a test. That's just what school is. Quit griping. Don't complain so much. How about if I go to... Yay, mom's going to finally get me an ice cream and go in. I'm sorry, our ice cream machine's broken. You know, you just flip the counter and throw people. What are you doing? That's all it took to make you complain? What if you said instead, oh, that's all right. Um, I guess I'll just get something else. And your mom goes, what happened to you? Well, mom, I decided at camp not to complain. Your mom, oh, happy day. Just loving it. How about go clean your room? Yes, ma'am. Heart attack. <laughs> You're not going to gripe and complain? Not anymore. I'm sorry I fussed before. Let me go in there and get started. Your mom, you come back three hours later, your mom's still going. You're not griping and complaining anymore? That much can make them see that there's a difference in you. Daniel, we're going to kidnap you. Those things happen. Clothes. Nah, I've been eating some new clothes anyway. In language. Going to change your name to Belteshazzar. Mm, that's tough, but okay. Mean. Mm. And then we're going to change your diet. About that, I can't do that one. That's unclean, and I won't put anything unclean in this temple of God. Of all things. But there's his line. What if you don't ever draw a line in the sand? That means you'll just do anything. What category of the four are you in by wise, simp simple? Yeah, you're simple. You just go with the crowd. Fuss and cuss with people at school, but act like an angel on the weekend in church. You're a chameleon. You just blend in with whoever you're with. One of these days you're going to get and say something that you usually do with the other group, and you're going to be surprised. Hmm. Daniel? Are you a top-notch young person? Absolutely. Did you draw a line? Yep. Are you relying on God's help? Stayed up all night long and answer. God will be with you in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, let's go calmly into the blaze. And I think something's very interesting when they come out of that fire. Here's what they did when they came out of the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of Most High God. Come out, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. The satraps, prefects, governors, and advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed them, 
Remember, their hair on their head wasn't singed, their rose wasn't scorched, there's no smell of fire. Praise be to the God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He has sent his angel, I don't really think it's Jesus, and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save in this way. Hallelujah, that's, that's true. No other god can save like our god. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I didn't read that they had to untie them. I think they were loose. They just came out of that fire. Stay faithfully in your prayer life and set an example. Daniel into trouble. And I'm going to challenge you when you go back home. Daniel went into Babylon, and in chapter 6, this is what got him into trouble. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps, that's sort of like that would be commanders on a lower level, to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, and one of them was Daniel. Daniel's just one step from the king. Tell me if you raise your hand if you think Daniel complained. I don't think he did either. You know why? Look where he's at. If I'm the king, I don't promote people at gripe. If I'm a coach, I don't want to, yeah, all right, sit down. Come here, somebody. I don't want to put you in a game. I don't want to put, Daniel says, God can't use me if I complain. He just goes along. Now, he does have a few lines in the sand he's drawn that he won't cross, but he must have been a good worker. He's promoted to, there's three administrators. Here's the king. He's one of these guys. The satraps were made accountable to them so the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. I'm the assistant king. I'm the vice president. At this, administrators and satraps wanted to find grounds. They've been struck by the green-eyed monster. What is that? They're jealous of Daniel. Now, he's going to be the real guy in case something happens to me. Well, they got mad at him, so they started looking to Daniel and trying to find fault with him. And they would hang around his house and try to wonder what he's doing in there. And then they noticed he was praying. Because what you're like when you're alone is what you're really like. What if somebody would peer into your house? You say, I'd call the cops. I know, but just for sake of... No, what if somebody was really looking? <gasps> Look at that computer site he's looking at. I wasn't really looking at it. Caught. How do you know that people get caught doing stuff? Because I've been caught. Let me tell you that my dad was working shift work one time, 11 to 7. Remember, I had to wake him up one time because I got hit in the head with a giant. But my dad's in there sleeping. He got off uh, early in the morning, went to bed, and I can remember we had trailer that we used for like an office. My dad was half partners, and then he bought out, and then we owned the laundromat. My daddy still worked other places, so I sort of ran that laundromat to try to make money and put myself through school. And my daddy was in there asleep. And so this is left over from the previous owner, I guess. And, uh, you know, we're pulling up drawers, old papers, throw those out. I pull it over, and there was a, a fifth of liquor in a, one of the drawers. And I didn't drink, never had. But I picked that out, and out of curiosity, I wondered, what does it taste like? 
And so I looked at that for a second and thought, look down the hall. It's a little narrow hall in that trailer, and there's a bedroom. My daddy was in there. Down the hall. Yeah, he's not. Nothing. Unscrewed it. What's the first thing you usually do? Whew, that is strong. Nothing. I wonder if I ought to take a drink. And I turned around. <laughs> My daddy was standing right here. My daddy had got up, walked down the hall, and was standing right here. I had no idea there. I thought, man, you ought to become a stealth, a ninja. You know, it's just got golly. No, I didn't at the time because I went, Whoo! and there was daddy standing there. He said, go ahead, take a drink. I said, no, I was just, no, go ahead. like a great gasoline. He said, remember that. Good? No, sir. Want to drink it again? Put it back in there. But see, I was hoping he wouldn't catch me. And I kept looking and looking, but ended up I got caught anyway. Hmm. I don't want you to raise your hand and tell me if you've ever been caught doing something. It's not fun, is it? What are you doing? By the way, if your mom doesn't tell you that or your dad doesn't tell you that, Holy Spirit will. Don't click that mouse. Don't think, don't, nope, don't say that. But I... Don't you like the Holy Spirit just... And I know so many people, if they give in to temptation, then they sin and they feel horrible. And the very thing, the person, Satan, who tempts you to do wrong, like, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. He's a tempter. As soon as you do something wrong, you feel horrible. Now he's accused. Look at you. And you call yourself a Christian? See, he went from the tempter to the accuser. Look at you. And then you feel guilty and think, I'm a failure. And then, see that? Out of Jesus and talk to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. And he forgives you, and he gets you back up. And, well, am I lost? Nah, you just messed up. So we ask forgiveness, and we get back up. They're sneaking into Daniel, and they're looking in there, and wonder what Daniel's doing. Daniel's in there drinking liquor and playing guards. And go- no, he's not. I wonder if the guy's on one somebody's shoulder, hold him up. Tell me, tell me what Daniel's doing. <sighs> he's praying. Why? I guess he really jumps off his shoulder. I guess he really is a Christian. He just prays all the time. He prays when he's by himself because most of the time when you're by yourself is when you're tempted to do things wrong. So they go back and tattle on the king. They say, Daniel's up there praying. He's got him a schedule. He prays in the morning, prays at noon, prays in the evening. Faces Jerusalem, prays. The, the king's probably thinking, that's it? That's the dirt you've got on Daniel? Well, isn't that bad? You told us to honor you. Sure. And they get him to sign a decree, and the king doesn't even really want to sign it, but he signs it anyway. <sighs> signs it, and then they come back and say, okay, we've got to punish Daniel, and Daniel gets tossed in the lion's den. And see, we don't do it justice here because we're going to finish up our chapel, but if you've ever been scared, that's how Daniel could probably be. I can't believe Daniel just goes in there and says, I'm perfectly at calm with all these lines around. You say, well, they're not that ferocious. 
Yeah, when they pulled Daniel out the next day and put the other people in, the lines, the Bible says they ate them before they hit the ground. And, and I've, I've been scared before, you know, that fear. My Aunt Reefy had this dog about the size of Cleveland. You know, she, you know they called him Snowball because he was white. And it was scary. And I can remember, I, if I even put one foot in their yard, Snowball would come around the back and, and chase you out of the yard. And so I would try to call and say, Reefy, can you put up the monster and so I can come. So we would come up there. Well, one day I didn't call, and I stepped into the yard, and I didn't see Snowball. Ding dong, which is dead. We could no, I didn't, you know, I didn't sing, but I thought maybe Snowball's in the back or gone. And so I kept walking through the yard, and I didn't see it. But as I stepped up on the porch, one step on the porch, Snowball come around that end, <laughs> you know, just like that. I remember I ran, ran to the door, opened up her screen door, got inside it, and closed screen door and her front door, like this. She opens up a door. Oh, you fall into the room. Oh, he won't bite you. Really? <laughs> Boy, he sure sounds like he would. I think he's got some flannel in his teeth from the last person that walked through your yard. Oh, he won't hurt you. Swallows you whole like the large fish to Jonah. I was scared. It's like, whoo. I think Daniel was probably like, God, my face in you. And I feel strong, but they do look pretty ferocious. Comes over. Probably licks him. <laughs> it's like one of them's got salt and pepper. You know, it's like putting on. I don't know, maybe they left him be, but I have a. What if one of them come over and just leaned on him? I don't think he's getting a lot of sleep. The king didn't either. The king stays up about all night long. He just can't stand it. He's so worried. He realizes he's really been tricked by the others. And he's worried. He likes Daniel. But he comes up the next day. Chapter 6, so the king gave the order. They thought they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God whom you serve continually rescue you. It's game time. This is it. Stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace, spent the night without eating, without any entertainment, being brought to him, and he could not sleep. He's worried about Daniel. And at the first light of dawn, the king got up, hurried to the lion's den. When he came to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. He's worried. If Daniel's gone, it's going to break his heart. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue from the lion's? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They've not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed, gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Hmm. Daniel and his friends were worth kidnapping because they were top-notch young people. Even in a foreign land, they stayed faithful and trusted God for everything. You might be in a foreign land when you go back. You feel that way. I'm going to challenge you today. Read through these. Be in a position for God to use you. 
Pretend like you're going to have a pop quiz. Don't raise your hand, but in school, if a teacher walked in and said, we're going to take a pop quiz today, and I've had students say, you didn't tell us. That's why it's called pop quiz. Um, but what if she said, I'm going to give you a quiz. Go ahead, give it away. I am ready. I'm in a position. I want us to be like that as Christians. I mean, if, if I knew this was my last day, sure, I want to tell my family I love them, and, but I wouldn't change my lifestyle. I wouldn't say, well, let me go get cleaned up first. No. I want us to be ready to be used by God when you go back home. Draw a line in the sand. Have some things that you tell your friend, nope, can't do that. Rely on God's help to stay strong. God will be with you in the fire when you're tested and stay faithful in your prayer life. Don't change just because your friends are putting pressure on you. Know that there's some things in your life that would probably should be removed. There's a grace when the heart is under fire, the words of this song says. Another way when the walls are closing in. And when I look at the space between where I used to be and this wrecking, I'll know I'll never be alone. When you go home today, you're not going home alone. You say, but you know what I do? I want to ask God to forgive me of some things. I want to rededicate my life. Some of you might be saved already. And you just say, I want to closer walk with Jesus. I want to rededicate my life. I want to say, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? I'm, I'm sorry. I want you to renew me, refresh me, rededicate me. I want, to, I want to go home being like Daniel. I want to be kidnappable. <laughs> if somebody got me because I'm a solid Christian, I want them to get me because I want to be that strong. I want to be able to draw a line and say, I won't do that anymore. I want to start doing the things I should do and quit doing the things I ought not to do. By the way, if you say, I struggle with that. Apostle Paul did too. He says, the things I want to do, I don't. The things I don't want to do, I do. He said, man, oh, wretched man that I am, who can set me free? Jesus. Jesus will help you to quit doing the things that you shouldn't do and start doing the things you should But in the middle of that fire, when you feel like I'm all along, you say, well, I feel like I'm the only Christian in my class. I feel like I'm one of the people, that, one of the few that want to do certain things. But you're really not alone. There's a fire. So picture yourself as Shadrach, Shack, and Abednego, and you're in the fire. And you're confident, and you think, we're going to be fine. And suddenly you look, and there's Jesus beside you. He says, just keeping you guys company. They were so glad that they'd stayed true. They are so glad that they didn't bend. They are so glad that they didn't fold and say, oh, we better go ahead. Nope, nope, nope. We're going to stay. We believe our God can save us. And even if he doesn't, we won't bow down. You know, God's never unfaithful to you, but, for, but it almost sounds like they're saying, faithful to God all the time. Even if he's not faithful to us, we'll still be faithful to him. Wow, that's, that's quite a statement. And God won't ever be unfaithful to you. But isn't it cool to say, I'm going to be as faithful to God as he is to me. <laughs> then you're doing a good job. Hmm. I wish I could give you something else. Pray that The challenge today. Stephen, would you have, do we have any, you got a song? What I want to do is, uh, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes and uh, let God just speak to your heart, and then I'll close us in prayer. But if you say, God tugs at my heart, what can I do? 
We used to have people, you can come up and pray right here. You don't even have to have me pray with you. But if you just kneel at this altar and, and pray and say, God, I'm going to rededicate my life to you. And I'm going to be bold enough to step out. And I don't care who thinks I'm crazy or who cares. I, I, I don't care about you and what they think. So I'm going to come pray and make it a fresh start before I go back home. So I want us to listen to a song for a minute or two. And, and if you feel like coming up, and I urge you to seal this decision today to say when I go back home, I am going to be what God wants me to be. And that's dedicated to Him, living for Him, faithful to Him. Let's bow our heads and listen for a moment or two. If God tugs at your heart and you want to pray, I encourage you to do that. Make it a fresh commitment to Jesus before you go home. says, God tugs at your heart. There's another in the fire. When you go back home and you're in that fire, he's with you. Amen. Dear Jesus, there's another in the fire. This life that we live can sometimes feel like a fire. We can be tested. We can feel uneasy. We can feel scared. The devil tries to make us feel worthless. We can feel guilty. We can feel shameful. But Jesus, there is another in the fire, and that is you. If we have you as our Savior, Jesus, all those things can be laid at your feet, and we can hand them over to you, our shame, our guilt, our frets, our fussings, our worries, our doubts, our burdens, and especially our sins. We dump them on you, and that's not fair, but that's the way you want it. And we can be forgiven, for if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I pray that someone's asked you today to cleanse them from all their sins, come into their heart and be their Savior. The Bible says you give us a deposit, just like someone would put a deposit down on a room or a house or a car. Your deposit's the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts. And he's our reminder, and he'll convict us when we sin, he'll comfort us when we hurt, and he'll control us if we allow him to. So Jesus, I pray today someone has asked you to save them, and they're now filled with the Holy Spirit, and they'll go back and remember there's another in the fire when they get home. And some people go home to a nice home with people around it, support them. Others might go back to a place that's tough. Help them both remember there's another in the fire. And Lord, I pray that we'd come through just like these three men did in the book of Daniel. Unscathed, unburnt, hair didn't even get singed, clothes didn't smell like smoke. And they praised you and the ones around them that saw their faith suddenly had more respect and honor for the God, the true God, our Jehovah. So Lord, when we stand strong, others will see that. Maybe they'll want what we have and we can tell them about you. So Jesus, my final challenge for my campers today, would you send them home and let them know there's another in the fire. And when they go through tough times that you're with them, you'll forgive them. And Lord, you love them. In Jesus' name, amen.